back to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. If you've been around since the beginning, it's really good to see you again. Thank you for coming back. If you're new, welcome. You kind of came to the end of a, of a season, but that's totally cool because there's going to be more seasons. This is a safe space where I talk about pop culture that has no real relevance to anything. I also throw in random stories about myself, and you get the chance to hear about a weird girl who likes movies and pop culture and TV way too much. So as I mentioned, this is the last episode of season three of the podcast where I've been talking about movie musicals. It is one of my favorite genre of film. I have this dream of one day finding myself in a situation where they're spontaneous dancing and I somehow know all of the moves and every word to the song that the entire crowd is singing together. There's a very unique joy about musicals that has always just been endearing to me and how they use music to tell a story. I am a big, big proponent of storytelling and the use of imagination and how story can connect people and show them different perspectives and about the world and about the culture they're living in and the, their neighbors, things that you, you would never think of. And the fact that they can use music, use language in that way to tell those kind of stories, I think is just absolutely fascinating songs as plot devices, songs as character development, songs to heighten emotion, and sometimes do a better job of showing emotion than just mere words can do. Musicals, they're magical. Musicals are magical. <laughs> um, but this is the end, and I wanted to spend today talking about one of my recently favorite musicals. There's another weirdo, actually Valerie, who was at the beginning of the podcast, who did the superlatives episode with me for this particular season. It's an, it's one of her favorites as well. It's unique in the fact that it does not flow in the way of a typical musical, and it does not have a happy ending. And I, I think the first time I watched it, it startled me a little bit because it ends sad, it begins sad and it ends sad. And I was like, why do I like this so much? And it is one that was previously on the stage and was made into a movie. And I think it would be fascinating to see this particular musical on the stage and how they accomplish what they do in the movie. It's, it's fun. We're going to talk about it. So we'll talk about it. And that would be the last five years. It did make my top 10 of the 2000s. I completely forget what number it was, even though that podcast episode just came out on Tuesday, but that's fine. It's fine. Life is happening all around me and I don't need to keep all of these little tidbits into my brain. So we're going to do a quick rundown, of course, of the plot and, and then we'll hop into some interesting facts. There's not a whole lot out there, but I found a few things that I thought were pretty cool. And then we'll talk about why it's a rewatchable, why you should take a chance on this particular movie musical. And this one's a little tricky because of the timeline to, um, to explain. So we're going to be hopping back and forth between our two main characters the entire time. So it's going to just sound like I'm crazy, like, now it's Jamie, now it's Kathy, now it's Jamie, now it's Kathy, but it's going to be fine. We're going to do this together and you're going to love it and you're going to be like, how have I not seen this? Or you're going to listen and say, man, it is one of my favorites as well. So here we go. So this particular story begins at the ending and ends at the beginning because it's clever. I, I know that doesn't, it actually begins at the beginning and the ending and ends at the beginning and the ending. <laughs> 
<laughs> told you this was going to be confusing. So first off, we meet Kathy sitting alone in a dark apartment in New York City, singing a song about a note that her husband, Jamie, has left her, letting her know um, that he's leaving, that he would like a divorce, that he can no longer continue on in the relationship. We see the pain that Kathy is going through and how the relationship ended through her eyes in particular. Reading the note, you you hear his side of it, but you're really seeing it through her eyes. With betrayal and abandoned dreams, he is giving up on them. He is, he's got to make the choice. He's the one that got to make the choice to, you know, to leave. Um, and she's kind of left with the fallout. She's left sitting alone in the apartment wondering what happened. She's left holding the blame for the failure of their relationship. So I, I told you it's going to start off sad. And then in the very next scene, we get Jamie's beginning. So what we're seeing is Kathy going from the end of the relationship to the beginning of the relationship and the opposite for Jamie. So for Jamie, the relationship is just starting. He's um, a young Jewish man who has fallen in love with a non-Jewish woman. Kathy, of course, completely besotted and absolutely head over heels for her. The excitement and the lust of new love. And I should point out, there's almost zero talking in this. Almost zero talking. There's there's a few scenes where there there's some dialogue, very little dialogue, but... Um, but it's not like, like Les Mis. They are not singing dialogue. They are singing their emotions, really, and what they're feeling and the experiences they're having. So she's Kathy's from a different world than him. He's been set up by all these different women with by his family. She's just different. He's excited about her. She's who he has been looking for. And he lists in his song the very long list of red flags like... Some of them are like, why is this a red flag? Like owning an RV. I, I think that'd be pretty cool, actually. Drinking blood, which, okay, definitely. Or having a pierced tongue. Don't know if that would be necessarily a deal breaker. Um, he says, I've been waiting for someone. I've been praying for someone. I think that I could be in love with someone like you. So he, she's different. She is different than who his, the expectation of who he should be with. Um, and so he's just very much in love. And so then of course, we're back to Kathy, who is again at the end of the relationship. And Kathy is an aspiring actress who every summer goes to Ohio. Um, I, there's a theater production there. And so she wants to be an actress and she needs to perfect her craft. She needs to get some roles on her resume. She needs to work on her her singing and her dancing and her acting and all of that. And I think it's fascinating. I knew this was a thing going to a different place over the summer. I had heard about things like a place in Ohio to do that, but it also fascinates me. It's like, man, how lucky are the people in this town to be near an organization like that? And you could be potentially seeing future Broadway stars before they get to Broadway. That would be so very cool. They have to be really impressive productions for a local, local stage. I love that. I got off topic. I'm sorry. So she is, she has gone for the summer. It's not her first summer there. And Jamie has come to visit and Kathy is acknowledging that things aren't good in the relationship, but she's hopeful. She's like, you know, you're here. We're, we're here together. But then ja Jamie tells her, you know, I can't stay. I've got this work thing that I have to go to. 
And she's like, you know what? I understand. That's okay. Um, I really hoped you had would be able to see the performance, but we've got tonight. And then he's like, well, I can't stay tonight. I tried to get a different flight, but I have to leave tonight. And then you find out it's her birthday. And that's, that is really rough. But what you see is her kind of destroyed by him choosing another work thing over her. And you see her heartbreak and you see him frustrated, um, because he feels torn between his career and his wife and you see the crack become really a canyon that leads to the note left in the apartment that he's leaving her so you you start to see kind of the beginning of the end at that point as we're moving back forwards backwards backwards in her timeline (laughs) so next scene we're now with jamie he is sitting I'm going to say it's Brooklyn. It feels like Brooklyn. He's right along the water. You can see the Statue of Liberty in the distance. It's a very nice, like, boardwalk area. Um, It's another, man, I would love to one day, I kind of have done it a little the couple times I've been to New York City, but I would love to just take pictures, like screenshots of these scenes and movies and then spend a whole day just trying to find all of these places. I think that'd be really fun. But while he's sitting there working on his book, because he is a a future writer, he gets a call from Random House. They're interested in his manuscript. He's a young, I think he's like 23 at that point. He's on cloud nine. He sets the meeting and then he immediately calls Kathy. He wants them to move in together. So he is just excited about things. And he sings about that. He sings about things moving kind of fast. And he sings about persistence and perseverance, not giving up when there are obstacles in your way. He's starts to show a little bit of an ego that might get out of control. Um, but you just see him excited. His career is taking off. And then she's excited to be taking that next step in life with him. And then looking into the future, Jamie Starr continues to burn bright. So we're back on Kathy's timeline. He's writing again. He's attending party after party, making a name for himself, um, going to book releases. He's book readings. He, there's a lot of parties. Do authors really go to that many parties and have to schmooze that much? I mean, I've always dreamed of writing a book, but if that were involved, I'd be like, you know what? I'm out. I do not think that is for me. But Kathy goes and she's trying to be supportive. She's doing her very best to be supportive. The dutiful wife who attends the parties and answers the same questions over and over and eventually kind of finds herself sitting alone in the corner waiting for him because people really aren't interested in talking to her. And he kind of forgets that she's there because he's busy doing his thing. He does acknowledge her existence sometimes at those parties. And I will also acknowledge that, you know, for for authors, it he's probably learning as he goes. He's new to that scene, not knowing when what you can say no to and what you have to go to, not knowing how to get out of conversations. I could see how that would potentially be a problem. I'm trying to give him some grace. As you can tell, spoiler, he 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 rubs me the wrong way sometimes, but we'll get we'll get into that more. But I I think though that you would You would notice your wife sitting alone a lot in a corner at the parties and see that she's uncomfortable, Um, but apparently he doesn't. Or if he does, he doesn't care, or he's so self-involved that he doesn't notice. It's hard to tell. 
Then we see Kathy come home. So we're back to his timeline. We see her come home after another long night working at the bar. Um, so he has his career hasn't quite taken off at this point. He has a book deal, but he's not a big thing. So she, it sounds like she's you know working at a bar at night, um, making money for them while she's not going on additions, and she's had another failed audition and she's getting more and more frustrated and Jamie starts to sing a, a song about Shmuel he's a tailor that is weary from years of work and running out of time and thinking his chance of creating something great has passed him by it's a song meant to encourage her um, to lift her spirits to take her out of her head to show her that he believes in her which on the surface I believe he does I believe that is what the intention is. But then he goes and he sings this line and it makes me feel differently. Maybe it's just that you're afraid to go out on a limb of it. Maybe your heart's completely swayed, but your head can't follow through. And it harkens back a little bit to that song earlier when he sang about perseverance and how um, I've worked hard and I didn't give up. And some people just don't have it in them. They're just not good enough to do it. And it's like, Ugh. you know, you you're going after a much different career than her. You got an opportunity at a very young age that most people do not get. You did not have to jump through the hurdles that she is having to jump through. I think it's, I don't know. I think that's an insensitive kind of thing to say. Um, the line he says earlier is things might get bumpy, but some people analyze every detail. Some people stall when they can't see the trail. Some people freeze out of fear that they'll fail, but I keep rolling on. Some people can't get success with their art. Some people never feel love in their heart. Some people can't tell the two things apart, but I keep rolling on. So the, through that lens, the song just changes its vibe a little for me, almost like he's calling her a quitter and the I believe in you is more heavy handed and less genuine. Kathy does have a tendency to come off whiny. <laughs> She's an, played by Anna Kendrick and I that, that vibe comes off for me a lot with Anna Kendrick, but I'm also not getting the impression that they're doing a lot of the right kind of communicating with each other. And sometimes you just need someone you care about to listen and not try to fix the problem. And he, I feel like he's doing a lot of that, not really listening to her, um, not being that source of comfort, but trying to fix it or giving the wrong kind of motivation. All right, back to Kathy. So now we're back on Kathy's. I told you this was going to be hard. Back to Kathy's timeline. She's in Ohio again, but it's earlier. And she's singing my favorite song about her life on the stage in the middle of nowhere. The crazy people she's meeting and living with. And then she's flirting with Jamie over Skype, desperately missing him. And by all accounts, he feels the same way. Because by the end of the song, he's come to visit and she's engaged. So this is now where the point, um, where the timelines cross, when they're when they are together in time, in a sense, when they see the re relationship start to fall apart from Jamie's point of view after this, which has a lot to do with him being a jerk, whether he acknowledges it or not. I already acknowledged my bias, so we're going to let this go. And then while at the same time, we see Kathy's excitement about the relationship. So they are in Central Park. They're on a walk. It seems like they've been to a museum. They're pointing things out that they see. Um, Jamie then starts to sing about the next 10 minutes. Uh, can Will you stay with me for the next 10 minutes? And he ends up 
asking her to marry him. He seems nervous, but ready to take the next step. Then Kathy is singing. It's kind of the same song. It's an interesting, I almost wonder why they chose to have both perspectives in this particular scene when it's meeting. Um, But at the same time, you kind of, in a sense, see hesitancy on both of their sides. Not that they don't love each other and not that they don't want to get married, but is this really right for each of them? So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Then immediately, immediately, we go to Jamie's next song. And again, he is moving towards the end of the relationship where she is moving towards the beginning. Just keep that in mind. So they are married at immediately. Jamie starts to sing about all of the women who are flirting with him now that he's married and who he desperately wants to sleep with, even though he can't because of Kathy. He, the challenge, he calls it, of resisting temptation. It's so arrogant, it drives me crazy. Yes, he is played by Jeremy Jordan, who is just an American gem. Um, he, of course, originated the role of Jack Kelly in Newsies on Broadway and then starred in the live taping of that stage production. I love him. He should sing in everything he's in. If you've not looked on YouTube for his rendition of It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion, you are missing out. But just how arrogant it is to just assume all women are wanting to sleep with you and then to have that attitude immediately after getting married. It just, ugh. So then we're back to Kathy. Kathy is at at an audition that she is feeling really good about. They let her actually finish singing the whole song. They acknowledge her existence afterward. And she's on cloud nine. She's thinking, you know what, maybe this, this is it. Maybe I got this role. So she calls her husband wanting to share the good news and celebrate it. And granted, you can see him want to be supportive um, I do believe he, he, she's, he's like, I'm on my way. I'm going to come find you. And then random house calls and he just kind of, he leaves her waiting. And I, I do believe he genu- genuinely wants to meet her somewhere to grab a drink and celebrate, but he leaves her waiting again. His attention is distracted by work and all of the women he wants to sleep with again. And you get a flash of Kathy from the beginning of the movie, kind of sitting and waiting for him to show up while she's in Ohio. So you see where it's coming again from his perspective. Over the next couple of scenes and songs, you see Kathy struggle. Struggle at auditions in front of disinterested men. Struggle to figure out what role she'll play in Jamie's life as he succeeds. Fear that she'll lose herself in his light. Which I think would be a real genuine fear of if you have a significant other that is just skyrocketing and entering a world that you two weren't a part of when you first met, it would have to be discon—you know discombobulating a little bit. Um, and I cannot imagine, there is no part of me that would ever want to be an actress. I cannot imagine the courage it would take to get in front of people and show the vulnerability of singing or dancing or acting and knowing the whole time they are judging you. I Kudos, kudos to people who have chosen that as their career. I just, it's amazing. I, I think there's such a resilience and a perseverance there, a bravery that I, I just know I would not have in me. So then we get on Jamie's timeline again, and there's a fight, a horrible fight. Well, they're getting ready for yet another book function. Kathy doesn't want to go. 
And she keeps, you know, why does it matter if I go or not? There's no one who cares if I'm there. And Jamie is frustrated because he has obligations and responsibilities and he believes in her and he knows she's disappointed because he knows her dreams aren't coming true. And again, we see that they're not great communicators because I'll give it to him. He is, she is sort of shutting him out. That would be very frustrating in the middle of a, an argument. It is very frustrating when the person just chooses not to speak and, or you know they're listening or you know no matter what you say isn't going to make any bit of a dis difference. But then he goes and says, I will not lose because you can't win. And it's like, dude, that's, that is not the right time to say that. And I, I know we don't see the whole thing. We don't know how far it's gone to see him in this break. But man, that is just... That is mean. So then scene shift, they're falling in love again. It, it's, um, you almost feel I don't, manic <laughs> in a sense between the highs and lows of this movie. And we're back at the beginning, driving to meet Kathy's family in a song that mirrors the one Jamie sang at the beginning of the movie where he's talking about she's everything that he had been looking for and she's different, you know? So it's that very kind of song for her about the joys of early love about no red flags and a world of opportunities in front of them together um she sings i want you and you and nothing but you miles and piles of you finally i'll have something worthwhile to think of each morning all of that is a stark juxtaposition against jamie's next song when he's in bed with his girlfriends yes girlfriends not all at the same time of course but there seems to be a rotating door. He sounds annoyed that Kathy is waiting for him in Ohio and he has to go. And you know, the annoyance is coming because there's going to be another fight that he's not going to live up to her expectations. And he's just going to leave frustrated. And he seems like he feels a little guilt about what he's doing, but he also acts trapped and not guilty enough to stop the affairs. And he seems tired of fighting and he's the only victim that he was the one that put in all the effort for the relationship and got nothing back. Then we get one last scene with a happy Kathy at the beginning of the relationship where Jamie is head over heels. And the final scene with packing his things and moving out with the relationship ending for good. And my heart breaks every single time. You just, you feel for Kathy and you feel, you feel for him even though I feel like he is in the wrong. <laughs> So that is the last five years. That is the last five years. A few interesting facts about the movie. Number one, Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan sang 11 of the 14 songs live in multiple takes due to camera setups. The song, If I Didn't Believe in You, um, which is the one during the horrible, horrible fight, is shot in one continuous camera move. Uh, Jeremy Jordan sang the song 14 times straight through, and then Anna Kendrick sang Still Hurting, which is at the very beginning of the movie. It's the scene where she is reading the, the note from him that he's left. She sang that 17 times over five camera setups. To hold that a much emotion for 17 songs, oh, I just... Man, impressive. The film was shot in just 21 days. The last day of shooting was the last song of the score, Goodbye Until Tomorrow. Um, it's when she is very excited and she just keeps thinking of all the possibilities of this relationship. And it's shot entirely in New York, Brooklyn, and Staten Island. So the receptionist at Random House, who 
ends up being one of the girlfriends is played by Jeremy Jordan's real life wife, Ashley Spencer. I think that's very sweet. A little weird that you play <laughs> a mistress, but that's okay. It's fine. Um, from both sides of the story, when the relationship is new, the colors, everything from lighting to wardrobe are bright and vivid, but as the relationship is ending, they get darker fascinating. Storytellers are fascinating. This helps the audience discern where any given moment belongs in the two contrasting timelines. When Anna Kendrick's Kathy is singing her good audition for When You Come Home to Me, she is standing on the set of Avenue Q, graciously offered to the production by New World Stages on West 50th Street. That's pretty cool. Um, so that's, there's not a whole lot to the movie, but I, I love... How, it just it's fascinating to me how quickly movies can be made and i know this one was probably a little different because you have skilled musicians and there's very little dialogue um so it's not like they have to learn songs on top of story so very interesting so what did I like about the movie? I love how it's not all sunshines and roses. Uh, if you've been with me for a little bit with the podcast as I've talked about different things, um, or if you've ever read anything I've written on my newsletter, just keep swimming.substack.com, or if you have talked to me about movies and books, you're going to realize very quickly that I like it when, when it's not happy. <laughs> Um, I, there is nothing more disappointing to me when there is a big buildup that people should die and no one dies. <laughs> I know how that makes me sound. I really do. Uh, but I love sometimes how storytelling doesn't end happy. And what an amazing way to show that, having the timelines of the relationship go in opposite directions. The, the first watch is a little rough as you try to get your bearings. You're like, wait, what is going on? And if you didn't, I did not know that going into it during my first viewing, that the, the timeline would be weird. Um, so it, it was tricky. But with each viewing, you really see the care the writer and the composers took in crafting a heartbreaking love story. It's beautiful. What it irritated me about the movie? Well, that would be Jamie. Jamie irritated me. Um, Anna Kendrick usually irritates me. I know she's all, she was on the list twice last week, which is interesting. She was into the woods and the last five years. Um, there's something about her that sometimes I just, you would like to kind of smack a little across the face. Uh <laughs> You ever have that feeling with people, with actors? Um, but it's I. It's hard to find sympathy for him because I think his actions are disproportionate to what is happening. But again, I'm, we're only seeing parts of the relationship. And it is based on a true story. It's based on the writer's experience of his first marriage. So, man, you kind of wonder if he wrote himself as Jamie or as Kathy. It'd be very interesting to know that. Why is it worth the rewatch? Because it's different. After watching so many of the musicals in preparation for this, especially the musicals from like the 50s and the 60s, you always know outside of West Side Story, for the most part, you always know that there's going to be a happy ending. There are, of course, those dramatic ones where you don't get it. But when there's a love story involved, typically they end up together at the end. And the fact that they don't. Um, I just think is is just an interesting way to share real life. I I really liked it. I really really liked it. The music is beautiful. The performances are fantastic. That's why it's worth the rewatch. 
That's it. Hey guys, we made it through season three. If like I said, if you are new to the podcast, there are two other seasons that you can check out. In season one, I talked about animated Disney movies. It got feisty at times. It really changed my perspective as I was watching each of them and trying to prepare each episode. For some that I absolutely loved, I have stronger feeling, good feelings towards some now and some lukewarm feelings about others. Uh, it's It was a lot of fun to do. Season two, we went through kids movies from the 80s and 90s. It was really fun to rewatch movies that played such a big part of my childhood and to talk about those and how storytelling has changed for kids when it comes to movies in the 21st century. It just... They don't make them like they used to, and that feels so stupid and corny saying that, but they really don't. Um, there's There was a maturity to them then that we don't have now, and they don't really make kids' movies, middle grade, tweenish, you know, movies like that now. They just don't make them. Almost everything is an animated movie if it's considered for kids. Occasionally you get, you know, the ones here or there, and Disney Plus tries to put out more stuff um, that is specifically geared towards kids, but you just don't see movies like that anymore. And then, of course, our conversation here about movie musicals. Season four is going to be um, about a five-week season. Each week, we're going to talk about two romantic comedies as we make our way through February. And it's going to be, um, I think I decided to do it where each week there's going to be a theme where I'm going to compare two movies from completely different decades that have either a similar theme or topic. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then season five, which I am so excited for, is going to be all about Jim Henson and the Muppets. Um, with, of course, well, his, his creature, his, what, what does he call it? How did I just forget it? Um, but his creations. So Labyrinth and Dark Crystal will be in there as well. And probably Mirror Mask because it is a fascinating, fascinating movie as well. And in between the seasons, I always like to dive in with a one week appreciation of an actor, a director, a musician that I love. Um, I do believe coming up between season three and season four is going to be an appreciation week with Tim Curry. Oh, I could go on and on. He could have his own season to be completely honest. And then after season four, there will be um, an appreciation week for Miss Dolly Parton, which again, I could just talk about her forever. But thank you for listening. It is really, it is really appreciated. I know there's not a whole lot of you out there and uh, there have been times where I'm like, you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> and I am. And that is, but that is fine because I think everyone needs a creative outlet that just pushes them outside of their comfort zone. It is not easy to put my voice out there and my opinions out there, even though they're opinions about nothing in particular that have no real relevance to anything. But to share anything you create um, can be intimidating at times. So the fact that anyone takes the time to listen and to participate, I cannot thank you enough. And if you would ever want to be a part of the podcast, I love bringing people on. Thank you again to Valerie this, this season for being on the Superlatives episode and Suzanne for joining me for the Newsies. If there is a conversation coming up and you're like, hey, that would be a lot of fun, Emily, can I join you? Yeah. 
Yeah, you can. If you could help me share the podcast, that would be awesome. I post on Tuesdays and Fridays when the new episodes come out. You could share that post, share the link to the podcast, or get on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and rate and review. That would be lovely too. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on the Instagram and Twitters at, at GnomeGirlM on Facebook is a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you very soon.